Good morning. All right. Let's have some fun this morning. This is a really upbeat song. And so you're going to have to get up, wake up. I know it's early in the morning. But let's, uh, let's do this great song called Glorious. Glorious, shout it out and glorious, make it loud and Jesus, we shout your name, Jesus, we make your praise. Sing it. Shine, Jesus, you shine for all the world to see you are glorious. That's it. Sing it again. Shine, Jesus, you shine for all the world to see you are glorious. Shine, Jesus. Shine for all the world to see you are glorious. You are glorious. You are glorious. Here we go. Oh, 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 oh,
Two more times. Here we go. Thank you. You can be seated for a moment. We greet you in the name of the glorious and risen Lord Jesus Christ. We gather in his name in this place today to lift him up in song and in the word and in prayer to worship him because he is the King of kings and worthy of our worship. And we're so glad you're here today. Welcome to First Baptist Church. And let me extend a warm First Baptist welcome if this is your first time here. If you're a guest with us, we sure hope you'll feel at home here. We hope that this will be like family to you, and uh, so we, we are so glad you've come. Uh, there's a, we'd like for you to register if you're willing to do that. Uh, there is a guest card in the pew rack, and if you would take that any time in our service and fill it out, and put it in our offering plate at the end, you could, we'd like to uh, get to know you. There's a know you by name. helps me if you write down your name. I can learn your name better, and we have a way that you can check if you want to receive our newsletter there. I'll be at the Welcome Center after our service. If you're a guest with us, I have a gift for you. would love to meet you. Thank you for coming and being here today. Would you join me in prayer as we uh, um, worship together? Oh, Heavenly Father, we want today to come together, first of all, with thanksgiving. You've been very good to us. You've given us the life that we've lived this week, the air that we've breathed, the food that we've eaten, the beds that we've laid our heads sit down in. You are good to us. And we just say thank you, Lord, thank you. Above all, you've given us eternal life through Jesus as a free gift and pardon from our sins. And thank you, Lord. Thank you. May we live with gratitude. Lord, we come also to confess our sins. We have failed to honor you sometimes in word and deed and in thought. We want to be cleansed. We don't want to carry guilt. We don't want any division between us and you. So we come to confess our sin. And Lord, we come to open our lives to you that we might hear from you and that you might guide us. We want to be receptive to your will because we know it's the best for us. So we pray in this worship service, you'll have your will and your way in our lives and that we'll give to you the honor and glory that you deserve. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. stand with us.
just your song. Here we go. My love is yours. My heart is yours. My life is yours forever. Bring it down. From the day you saved my soul. Come on, sing it. Till the very moment when I come home. I'll sing, I'll dance, my heart will overflow. From the day you saved my soul, from the day you saved my soul. the resurrection power is living in me. You called me from the grave by name. You called me out of all my shame. Come on. I see the old has passed away. I love it. The new has come. Come on, sing. Now I have resurrection power living on the inside, Jesus. You have given us freedom. No longer than by sin and darkness, living in the light of your goodness. You have given us chains are gone. My chains are gone. Sing that again. Oh, freedom. You have given us freedom. You have given us freedom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Freedom. Oh, freedom. You have given us freedom. You have given us freedom. My chains are gone. Freedom, hallelujah. I have resurrection power living on the inside, Jesus. You have given us freedom, no longer bound by sin and darkness, living in the light of your fruitness. You have given us freedom.
Lord, thank you so much for the freedom you have given us. We want to praise your name, Lord, because you are worthy of our praise. Y'all sing this with me. Here we go. Cast my mind. I cast my mind to Calvary, where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet, my Savior on that cursed tree. His body bowed and drenched with tears, down in down in Joseph's tomb, the entrance sealed by heavy stone, Messiah still and all We go, oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise his name forevermore, for endless days. We will sing your praise, oh, Lord, oh, Lord our God. On the third, at break of dawn, the Son of Heaven rose again. Oh, trample death, where is your sting? The angels roared for Christ the King. Come on, church, sing it. Here we go. congregation, just the congregation. Here we go.
Lord our God, we come before you. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Thank you, Lord, for the good news of your gospel. Thank you for reminding us of the power of your name. We are your people, and we have come here to worship you today. So we say again, oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Praise his name forevermore. For endless days, we will sing your praise, O Lord, O Lord our God. And the people of God said it together. Amen. Please be seated. Indeed, may God be praised in this place. Thank you for sharing in worship. I want to say just a word about our Wednesday night Christian development program. A week from this Wednesday begins a new series of classes that are in your bulletin. I especially want to talk to new folks. We have a thing called new member orientation. If you're new at our church, I want to invite you to come. We ask all new members to go through this four-week class within a year after they join. But it's also for people who maybe you're just trying to feel out what Christianity is about or what our church is about. It's an introduction to both of those with no obligation. begins a week from Wednesday. So I hope you'll be thinking ahead and make plans to attend. Now this Wednesday... The only open class on, in our CDP for adults at 6.30 is one that I'm leading about how to share your faith. This week is a standalone unit, so I want to invite others who haven't been in my class. This is, we're doing on how to share the good news with children. If you're a parent or a grandparent or a Sunday school teacher or whatever, if you have interest in how do I lead my kids to Christ, I'm going to share with you a simple, easy way to do that so that you can be equipped to especially share with children the good news. So everybody's welcome, standalone, one-week kind of thing, 6.30 this Wednesday night, invite you to come. I'm sharing a series of sermons on the miracles of Jesus, and uh, we've been looking this month at the healing miracles of Jesus. We have seen that Jesus opened blind eyes, Jesus made paralyzed people to walk, Jesus cured leprosy, and today we want to look at one more of these healing miracles of Jesus, and it is maybe the most unusual of them, and it is, as far as we know, the last miracle that Jesus performed before his death. It occurred on the night before he died, let me tell you the backstory to set it up, uh, Jesus had eaten the Passover meal with his disciples in the upper room. During that meal, he had said to them, one of you is going to betray me. And Judas, at that point, got up and left the meal. The others didn't really make the connection because Judas was the treasurer. They thought he was going to buy something for the meal or to give alms to the poor. But he left to go meet his, those who were betraying Jesus to lead them to meet him because Judas knew that after the meal, <clears throat> Jesus and the others would go to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray because that was Jesus' custom every night of this week, Passover week, that he was in Jerusalem. And that would be an out-of-the-way place without big crowds where he could hand him over to his enemies. And so sure enough, after the meal, Jesus and the 11 disciples went to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus prayed there. And then after he had prayed, Judas arrives to betray him. And that's where we begin reading our story in Luke chapter 22, beginning at verse 47. If you want to follow in your Bible or follow on the screen. While he, that is Jesus, was still speaking, a crowd came up. And the other Gospels tell us that this crowd included a detachment of soldiers armed with clubs and with swords and with torches. And the man who was called Judas... One of the twelve was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him. So this apparently was the arranged upon signal in the dark of the night to identify the one that they were to arrest, the one who was Jesus. And it says in verse 48, But Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? And that's indeed what he did. And then verse 49, when Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. Uh, 
all four of the Gospels tell us this story, but the first three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, do not tell us the names of these two people. John's Gospel identifies the man, the servant of the high priest, whose ear was cut off as Malchus, that was his name, and identifies the attacker as Peter. It was Peter who drew his sword and cut off the man's ear. Why would John identify them? Well, John's gospel, we believe, was written later than the first three, and so it may have been by this point that there was not danger for reprisal. Maybe Peter was dead by this point because, as the gospels tell us, and we know from history, he died at uh, in a relatively early age. He was uh, uh, killed by Rome, and so maybe it was, there's, it was okay by that point to share the name without fear of reprisal. It was Peter who did this. Now, why did Peter draw his sword on this man? Well, let's go back to a conversation that happened in that upper room before they left at the supper, and we'll get a little bit of background that we can understand Peter's action here. Uh, Jesus, when they were eating, had told Peter that he was going to betray him. And Peter protested, no, I'll never betray you. I'll read Luke 22, verse 33 to get this back story. And Peter um, said there, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. No, I'm not going to. So Peter had, had taken this stand, and now he's trying to make good on it. He had boldly said, I'll, I'm willing to die for you, and so now you can understand why Peter would, would do everything in his power to do this. In addition, in that upper room, there had been a conversation about swords. Let me read to you in Luke twenty two thirty five. Jesus asked them, when I sent you without purse, bag, or sandals, did you lack anything? Nothing, they answered. Jesus is referring to when he sent them on a mission trip, you know, earlier in the Gospels, and he told them, don't take supplies, it'll be provided for you when you're there. Well, then he says, verse 36, he said to them, but now, if you have a purse, take it, and also a bag, and if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. So Jesus is saying, now it's not going to be like that mission trip. Where it, when it was easy, I made it easy for you. Now, you're going to have great opposition. Uh, you're going to have to be well prepared. You're going to expect persecution. You're going to have to defend yourselves. Well, the disciples misunderstood and thought that he meant right now. And they said, verse 38, the disciples said, See, Lord, here are two swords. That's enough, he replied. So two of the twelve were carrying swords. And uh, Jesus Cuts off the conversation. That's not what he means now. He's trying to prepare them for after he's gone. That's enough, he says. So you can understand by this background why Peter had thought this is a time to fight. Now, if we understand why Peter did it, I, I still try to figure out how did Peter do this. So uh, I've got a low-tech visual aid to share with you here. And uh, I need a volunteer to be Malchus. Who will volunteer to be Malchus? Connor Fox, thank you for volunteering. Come on up here if you would. All right, so I appreciate that. Thank you, Connor. You're a good guy. Stand right here and face me so they can see your right ear right there, okay? So um, um, I took fencing when I was in college. I did fencing before I went to college, but that was with barbed wire, you know. But uh, in fence, fencing, uh, I took fencing, and so there's, there's, two, there's three kinds of uh, Ways of fencing, the most basic was, is with full, where you just try to, you know, you, you lunge and you, you, you score by the, the tip of your full. But then there's saber, and so saber's more like what we think about with, the, with, with sword fighting, where you strike with the side of your blade. So I don't think that Peter intentionally tries to cut off his ear. I mean, why in a sword fight, oh, I think I'll cut his ear. That, just, that doesn't make sense to me. So I think it was probably unintentional. I think Peter is trying to kill him, and so we're going to slow-mo Connor, and so I want you to lean your head over this way, okay? Slow, lean your head that way. Uh, so you can see maybe if he's trying to cut off his head, and uh, he, oh, that's good. Hey, very good. Uh, so why, why are we not done yet? So maybe that's it. I think more likely, though, a common move is that you strike to the top of the head. And I think more than likely, Peter is trying to strike this way. And um, either 
Peter's not really good and he misses and just shaves the ear off. Or if Malcolm again just dodges a little bit and then he's going to cut off his ear rather than slice through his head. So maybe that's how it happened. Would you, would you give Connor a hand for helping me out here? Thank you so much. You're good. So all of these Gospels, all four Gospels, tell us the part that we've seen so far. But the next thing that happened, only Dr. Luke tells us. Verse 51, Jesus said, no more of this. All four Gospels have Jesus saying some words, stop, put your swords away, enough of this. He, he stops the sword fight. And here's the part that only Luke records. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. If, if, if Peter had cut the ear completely off, I suppose Jesus has to reach down and find the ear and pick it up and place it there. Maybe it's hanging by some skin and he reaches and touches it. But Jesus touches that man's ear and heals him. What is this miracle teach us? What's the unique contribution of this oddest of his healing miracles? Let me suggest three things. First of all, I think that Jesus is showing us he cares about little things. He's showing us he cares about the little things of our lives. You see, this is not a life-threatening injury. It doesn't compare to the other miracles of healing that Jesus had done where he he makes blind people see, he cures leprosy, he makes the paralyzed walk. You can live without an ear. Now, it's good to have an ear. God made you that way, and it helps funnel the sound into your head, and you look better with ears, I think. But, but you can live without an ear. My grandfather um, worked for Tennessee uh, Copper Company in Copper Hill, Tennessee, the area where I grew up. And he was a steel rigging foreman and had walked those steel beams, you know, steel rigging. And a byproduct of uh, copper smelting is sulfuric acid, which is highly corrosive. And so one day he was walking with those steel beams. He fell off, fell into a vat of sulfuric acid, caught himself with his, with his arm, but the side of his head went into the surface of the acid. So all the time that I knew him, he had scars on his arm, on his neck, and it ate away most of his ear. You know, you got this flexible cartilage and little earlobe, all that was gone. He had just a sort of a little ear there on the side of his head uh, the rest of his life. Not very much of an ear at all. That acid uh, quickly disintegrated it. So, but he lived okay. He, he lived the rest of his life. You can make it, I'm saying, without an ear. Why would Jesus take time to reattach this ear? I think one reason is Jesus is showing us he cares about the relatively little things of our lives. You may wonder sometimes, you've got little physical problems, right? So does Jesus care about migraine headaches? They probably don't kill you, but does Jesus care about carpal tunnel syndrome? Probably doesn't kill you, but aggravating. Does Jesus care about your arthritis? Does Jesus care about acne? You know what I think the answer is? I think the answer is yes. I think you can pray about little things in your life. I think Jesus cares about little things because on the night that he was redeeming the world, he took time to heal an ear. I think Jesus is showing us here he cares even about this man without an ear and he heals him. Wherever you're going through, right now. I hope you'll gain some comfort in knowing that there's a God who cares about the little things of your life. I want to suggest to you a second reason why what I think this miracle teaches us. I think here Jesus is modeling compassion for our enemies. He's modeling here compassion for our enemies. This man was a servant of the high priest. He was going to take Jesus to his master who was going to condemn him to death, who had that authority, had to get the Romans to, to do the death penalty of crucifixion. And Jesus healed his ear. Let me read to you in Luke chapter 7, earlier in this gospel, read to you what Jesus taught about loving your enemies in verse 27 and 28. Jesus said, 
love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. So Jesus taught us to show compassion to our enemies, kindness, and now he's modeling the very thing he taught, and Jesus is responding to a person who is against him by healing him. I want you to think about who your enemies are and how you respond to your enemies. Uh, You've got somebody at work who's against you. Maybe even in your family there's been division and brokenness. How do you respond to people who are your enemies? When I was a young pastor, uh, just in my 20s, first church that I went to out of seminary, I had a lady in our church who sat near the back and she talked while I was preaching out loud with a running commentary and not a positive running commentary but a negative running commentary. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, you know, things like that. I could not hear her. I could see her lips moving, but people who sat two or three rows around her would tell me, you know, she's just, she's just denigrating everything you say while you're, you're speaking. I didn't really like her. And then her husband got very sick and was in the hospital, and I knew as her pastor I should go see them, and frankly, I didn't want to go see him. Not because of him, I didn't mind seeing him, but I knew she would be there, and I thought, this is going to be tough for me. Hey, how you doing? Great to see you. It's just, it's going to be tough, you know? You probably don't have any enemies, but just uh, just imagine this. You probably have nobody that, that uh, you have any relational problems with. So, Maybe it's, it's tough. I finally went, and uh, because why? Because we follow one who not only taught us to love our enemies, but who, who had an enemy before him, and he had the compassion to heal his ear when he could have said, well, that serves you right, you know, good for you. Maybe in your life, uh, are there those that, You feel that same way as I did. It's tough to love some people who are opposed to you, but we follow one who modeled that kind of thing. What about your political enemies? You know, we're in an election year. Next nine months, we're going to hear just be bombarded with so much political jargon. And frankly, just to be honest with you, I sort of dread it. I just really dread going through this again because I really feel like this one is going to be more caustic, more angry than any election cycle we've been before. Maybe not, but that's what I, I think it is. It just seems that way to me. And we as Christians have got to decide during these next nine months, are you going to be like the world or like Jesus? How are you going to respond? Now, you can have deeply held convictions. I have deeply held opinions politically. But you can treat with honor those who hold on the other side because here's a guy on the other side and Jesus heals his ear and we can show kindness and respect and that will be far different from our culture you want to be a witness in 2020 then you respond to people who have different political opinions with kindness and respect and even do something nice for them and I tell you that's going to be different than the way most people are going to act in this year And here's where we're called to follow one who, when he had an enemy before him, and he had plenty to do on his own, he healed his ear. Uh, We have a saying in my family, maybe you're familiar with it too, we would say, I got bigger fish to fry. You ever hear that? When somebody, you know, has got some little thing, I got time for that, I got bigger fish to fry right now. Jesus had bigger fish to fry on this night. But he took time to heal an enemy's ear. And I think he's modeling for us compassion for those who are against us. I'd suggest a third thing that we can learn from this this miracle And that is that Jesus is emphasizing his kingdom is not built on violence or coercion. 
Jesus pauses to heal this man's ear because he wants it clear that violence will not be done in his name this night because that is not the character of his kingdom. He is about to go willingly, as Isaiah would say, like a sheep led to slaughter. And he wants the message clear that his kingdom is not one of coercion. It is not one of violence. And he is emphasizing that by healing this man's ear. Somebody said to me uh, one time, uh, talking to them about Christ, and they said, I could never be a Christian because of the Crusades. That that dark spot on Christianity in the Middle Ages when there was so much violence in the name of Christ. If you're not familiar with the Crusades, after the death of Muhammad, Muslims captured the city of Jerusalem. For a while, Christian pilgrims were allowed to go there, and then persecution came on Christians in Jerusalem. There were killings, there were the tearing down of sacred sites, and and, uh, governments in Europe responded and sent armies to retake Jerusalem, which may have been a good motive and a good thing. But in the the terrible battles that went on, it went too far. They took Jerusalem and they slaughtered Muslim women and children in the aftermath, massacred them. And so some would say, you know, this violence is, all of it comes from religion. Christianity is no different. You have the Crusades. And I would say to you this, yes, we as Christians have sometimes failed to follow the example of our Lord, but that is not the nature of the kingdom, and that's not the nature of our Savior. He is one who, when others were fighting, He healed an enemy's ear, and He showed us this is the type of kingdom that I've come. Jesus will not coerce you to follow Him. He respects you and gives you that opportunity. His is not a kingdom of violence But he is the prince of peace and he's modeling, he's emphasizing that kingdom for us in this story. Most of the other miracles of Jesus, there is faith involved in the recipient or someone connected to the recipient of the miracle. But here, there's no faith involved. It's a faithless person who's healed. You can't put God in a box. He can do anything he wants to. And here Jesus chooses to heal an enemy's ear. And I wonder how Malchus felt the rest of that evening. I wonder if when Jesus was on trial throughout the night and they were interrogating him and he did not insult, I wonder if Malchus' hand didn't drift to the back of that ear and he rubbed the spot where it was connected his head because the others may not have known it was dark there was commotion others might have said oh I just thought I saw something but Malchus knew Malchus knew he knew one moment blood was gushing and his ear was gone and he couldn't hear well and and he was in great pain and he knew that then Jesus touched him and that ear was reattached and was whole And I wonder the next day as he died on the cross, if Malchus rubbed that ear and thought about this one who had healed him. And I wonder three days later, when the reports came that he had risen from the dead, that his tomb was empty, I wonder if Malchus, in wonder, didn't just stroke his right ear. And I pray that Malchus put his faith in Jesus. I pray that that is why John would put his name in his gospel because John's readers would know this person as a follower of Christ and would identify him with someone they knew. I pray that's why his name is there. I pray that we'll see Malchus in heaven. And I pray that you'll be there too. And the only way you'll be there is when you have become a follower of this man Jesus by your faith in him. Would you bow together with me in prayer? Oh, Lord Jesus, we just are amazed at who you are, and we thank you for your character and your nature. And, Lord, thank you that you care about little things in our lives. You've shown that. So, Lord, I want to pray right now for somebody who's, who just has some small physical problems. Arthritis, I pray for, carpal tunnel, migraines, uh, toothaches. I, I, I just pray, Lord, for the little problems of life that beset us and 
I pray that in the name of Jesus you might heal, as you can still certainly do. Lord, as we go through things that are inevitable like that in our lives, may we know that you care and you've proven that you care. Lord, I want to pray for somebody who has a, an enemy, maybe even a marriage that's broken, a family, a work, a friendship. Lord, I pray for the political arena ahead of us this year. I pray that in all these ways you would help us not be like everyone else. Oh God, by your Spirit, help us to be like Jesus. We need your power, Lord. We need your strength. And oh Lord, I pray that right now no one would stumble over the failings of Christians but they would come to the perfect one, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, the Son of God. I pray that there might be those who would say, I want to follow Him. I want to be saved by Him. I put my faith in Jesus. I pray in your name, Lord. Amen. Would you stand with me in a time of invitation? We're going to sing a song. While we're singing this song, is your opportunity to respond publicly if you desire. If you want to be a follower of Christ, you're willing to be a Christian. You want to ask for forgiveness of your sin. You want to receive the gift of eternal life and go to heaven. If you want to know his power and strength in your life, would you walk forward? Meet me or another pastor here. We'll help you, pray with you. We'll rejoice with you. Maybe you're already a Christian, already been baptized, but you need a church home. We invite you to come join this church, get involved in our new member class, begin to grow here. Maybe you want somebody to pray with you about something big or small. There'll be somebody who'd be glad to do that. Let's sing together. Just as I am without one thing, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thy I come broken to be mended. I come wounded to be healed. I come desperate to be rescued. I come empty to be filled. I come guilty to be pardoned by the blood of Christ the and I'm welcome with open arms, praise God, just as I am. Thank you. Please be seated again for our offering. If you will, we give back to God now as he's given so wonderfully to us. Let us pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this time we can come into your house and listen to your word, Father. And thank you so much that uh, despite all the little things in our life, Lord, that you still care, how it makes a difference to you, Father. And thank you that uh, we can humbly come before you and present those small requests to you, Father. Uh, bless these tithes and offerings. Let them be to the furtherance of your kingdom. It's all this we ask in your holy name. Amen.
Hey, I want to introduce to you, this is Eddie Ashford. Would you come stand by me here for a moment? He comes to join our church today by a statement of his faith in Christ, by prior baptism. Eddie, we're glad you're here. Mark, would you stand with him? Mark's one of our deacons in our deacon family ministry, and he's been in Mark's class. Bob R. Graves is the leader for the class who's part of it. If you're welcome, Eddie, into our church, and uh, pray for him. Would you lift your hand and say amen? amen? Amen. indeed. We're glad you're here. God bless you. You can have a seat there again, if you will, and Tim's going to come and close us out. Just a couple of important announcements you'll see there. Um, tonight is our, our Upwards Award Night, and so please be in prayer for that. Um, we'll have a lot of families, a lot of friends of families coming to be a part of that, and of course they'll get to hear the gospel message and, and be encouraged. And so pray for that tonight at 6 o'clock. Just a few spots left for the inter intercessory prayer ministry. There's about 30 in, in the prime time hours where you don't have to be up at 3 o'clock in the morning praying for our church, but we'd love uh, to fill those up and, and have somebody praying for our church every hour uh, throughout the week. And you'll see the mission trips on there. There's still some spots uh, available to go on 
mission trip. And so if you're interested in Pennsylvania or, or working or going to Boston or Paris or working at the Jesus Tent, you've got to get signed up quickly. Those spots are filling up fast. So um, you see a couple of other important announcements in there. And so just want to remind you of those. Please check those out. If you're a guest with us today, as you're exiting the doors, you can head down to your left and you'll see uh, the welcome desk there. And, and Dr. Cox, our lead pastor, has a small gift for all first-time guests. Let's close in prayer. Father God, we thank you uh, for Eddie joining with us today and wanting to just roll up his sleeves and, and serve you, Father, and being a part of this community of believers here. And so I pray that you help us and, and help him help us to fulfill the Great Commission. That's our calling on our lives. Uh, Lord, we thank you uh, for these ministries that are going, these mission trip opportunities that are available. And so, Father, I just pray that you help us uh, to serve you this week. Allow us to be uh, accountable to, to you and, and just to, to help each other through difficult times in life. And Father, uh, I, I pray as we're serving you that we find joy in it. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.